0: They did not touch foreign exchange because, the, under the gold standard, foreign exchange rates were also uh, very stable. But now this is changing, you know, this is uh, after Keynes and after World War II, and the speculators uh, find the great. Uh, uh, possibilities in some cases, or I might even say in most cases, risk-free possibilities of bond speculation. So rather than having this randomness, or should I use vertical movement, okay, pushing up and down the rate of interest but keeping it on the average reasonably stable, now we have push in 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 one direction, which means down. In other words, they anticipate the central bank policy, and they know that periodically the central bank is making trips to the uh, open market to buy uh, its quota of government bonds, Oh yes, that's another thing which uh, we should have pointed out. This is now the instrument of increasing the quantity of money, the main instrument. Uh, The open market purchases of government bonds. The central bank goes to the market and buys the bonds. It's uh, usually the banks which own these bonds and uh, then they sell it to the uh, central bank, and the central bank pays, uh, as they say, out of thin air, (laughs) uh, uh, with a check drawn on itself. This check will fatten the deposits of the uh, member banks, and then the member banks will uh, start scrambling. They have too much cash and they want to put this cash to use, so they are going to make loans and this is this is highly inflationary whereas um, remember we discussed the uh, real bills doctrine drawing uh, bills on uh, commodities, on merchandise uh, I should say merchandise emerging in production goes side by side, goes parallel, so that there is no inflationary effect because at every point in time the increase in the quantity of money corresponds to an increase uh, in the quantity of merchandise available for purchase by the consumer Uh, or at least it's closer to the time when it becomes mature and saleable and ready for consumption. So this is now a brand new game, something which has been experienced before, and uh, therefore uh, it is something of very great importance for a te- for the theoretician to study, and. Uh, <clears throat> The, uh, the uh, presence of speculation or the appearance of speculation in the bond market is, is uh, going to distort the picture so much that any kind of preconceived model or ideas will be just irrelevant and you have to uh, analyze this situation on your own. So I, I, uh, man, I have really discussed this earlier, but I think it's important enough that I uh, bring up the topic again. And I do this by recalling that since the Roman legions, the Roman legions in, during the Roman uh, Empire, Uh, were marching, and they were marching very often and very far. There was uh, the manuals which the commanders of these legions had to follow, had a a very important interdiction, a very important would be another word for interdiction in English. Standing order. Standing order. Standing order, that's correct, thank you. Standing order is that if the legion is crossing a bridge, then they must not uh, keep... uh, Marching in lockstep. In lockstep, Mm. yeah. This was banned. The interdiction referred to that when a bridge is being crossed, they must not uh, march in lockstep. So there was a an, uh, order, verbal order, which meant that they should can just walk as, uh, without this lockstep. Now. Why, why was this uh, uh, put in the manuals, and why was this enforced uh, so rigorously? Because experience showed, somebody may want to finish my sentence. You can induce. That's right. Uh, Rudy, please. The pounding, the pounding of feet, if they are simultaneous, then they could They create resonance, that runs away, the bridge collapses. That's right. Now, it doesn't always happen because you assume that the uh, the, uh, bridge has its own uh, uh, resonating frequency, frequency, but it doesn't have to be exactly that frequency, it could be a harmonic, which is a multiple. So there was a wide range of different frequencies. Of course, they didn't know which one it is, but they had to avoid that occurrence. And therefore, the thing was that the pounding of feet had to be random. It could not be like that, because the uh, outcome could be the collapse of the bridge. And of course, (laughs) the loss of the, or at least part, very serious damage to uh, to the legionaries. So this, uh, this is since Roman times, and this is very well known, and every bridge construction uh, since Roman times took this into uh, consideration that they tr- uh, try to estimate what this uh, uh, resonance frequency is, and put it outside of the range of uh, any. Even if by accident, say a dozen people cross the bridge and by accident, they move in lockstep. They have to avoid this because the same disaster could could happen. Well, bridge uh, engineers who were designing bridges, learned their lesson very well. But I'm sorry to say, economists, they had no idea of resonance. They had no idea that uh, uh, bond speculators, when they start marching, when they start marching, they Mm -hmm. will march in lockstep. And as a consequence, this resonance feature could occur and would have disastrous uh, results. And, uh, and it had happened time and time again. And most often, it happened in the sense of uh, runaway prices and runaway interest rates. In both increasing more and more and more until the economic uh, system collapsed. And this was a hyperinflationary collapse. And why these were more frequent than the deflationary extreme on the other side was that uh, in a way, war situation <coughs> reinforced this. In a, in wartime, of course, supplies of goods and production facilities could be and usually are destroyed, creating all kinds of shortages. And the shortages will push, of course, uh, prices higher and higher prices push interest rates higher and then they start the catching up game, you know, and this ultimately will bring the house down. So this is what had happened, but uh, I'm sorry to say, economists did not learn the lesson. I don't think you find. Uh, this uh, title anywhere in the literature, uh, Economic Resonance, but that's what is involved. The bond speculators, uh, whether consciously or inadvertently, ultimately makes no difference whether it's conscious or not, but I, I am willing to give them the benefit of the doubt that they did not Plan to bring uh, a disaster to society. These uh, bond speculators—they just saw an opportunity to make risk-free profits, and they grabbed it. As uh, as it was natural, this was their function. This was their mission mm-hmm. to do. Uh, and uh, in a normal, um, unfettered economy, this would always work and restore the uh, the balance. Uh, and if it didn't work in this extreme situation when the central bank uh, had this uh, operation policy, uh, the, the open market operation, uh, the, which initially was illegal, as I pointed out, only it was uh, legalized retroactively, um, Very, very unfortunate decision, it should have been examined and studied from the point of view of economic resonance, it wasn't. So it was legalized and it is happening uh, time and time again. And uh, that's not the fault of the individual bond speculator, just like the rest of us uh, tries to eke out a living and does what he uh, or she normally does. And uh, it is the system which is uh, distorted so that normal economic activity uh, could bring disaster so this is uh, what we have to say about this uh, uh, the bond speculator creating this this resonance and uh, right now I see a greater danger for a deflationary collapse and uh, but uh, My uh, judgment is rather tentative, I I cannot uh, present a a very convincing and uh, very uh, coherent argument. So much of of that is a, a kind of intuitive feeling on my part, that in the present situation, unless war breaks out, serious war, such as, say, Iran. Or North Korea or something like that, then uh, uh, then it's deflation, which is the main danger. that 's the way I see it. and uh, perhaps I, uh, <laughs> I'm wrong. I admit the possibility. and you can discuss it after the lecture. I don't mind any kind of uh, objection to this insight. But presently I see this bond market bull which started uh, charging way back in 1981 or 82, so roughly uh, it's uh, 30 years ago, it's still charging, still running. Uh, this last blip that didn't convince me that it's all over right now interest rate. Will stop falling and start rising. I think it will uh, still continue. And um, it's anybody's guess how it will ultimately turn uh, out, but I think there is a very great danger of a deflationary collapse. And that is something I see that it also happened in the 1930s, the Great Depression as we usually refer to it. That's the period between 1930 and 1939, the uh, time uh, war broke out in Europe, the United States joined only a couple of years later, but in Europe it was uh, the start of the war and uh, uh, the, uh, if you look at a chart of the rate of interest, and this is in uh, Jackson's paper, that chart I referred to takes up the story to 1947. It's very clear that interest rates were falling, and uh, and they were. Uh, they fall into levels which were unprecedented up to that point now what happens today those records are all beaten what kind of rates of interest we are having today are absolutely uh, without precedent you know zero or 0.25 or in japan it's it's uh, uh, even lower, and in uh, Europe they tried not terribly successfully to keep interest rates higher. But you see, this is a very competitive field, so uh, if there are big in, uh, discrepancies between interest rates in two countries, then that will. Uh, bring in all kinds of further speculation which is known as the carry trade, it means that speculators borrow money where the rate of interest is low and then lend money where the rate of interest is high. So this is a kind of bond arbitrage and uh, very, very tempting and, of course, when the extreme is reached, then all these trades will have to be reversed, reversed at the same time, and the market system is not designed to withhold such uh, dramatic reversal as it would be uh, in the case of that. So the uh, danger is there. and. Uh, uh, and it seems to me that the managers of the dollar, the managers of the euro, and the managers of other paper currencies, just do not understand mm-hmm. what is going on. They, what we are talking about would be completely alien to their thinking. They uh, they follow a couple of principles which may not be applicable. Of course, they follow the quantity theory of money, and then uh, the, uh, the uh, uh, precepts of Keynesianism and Friedman's uh, theory, and that's about all there is to their repertory. Uh, that's not uh, sufficient by far to understand and analyze the situation we find ourselves in. This is highly uh, non-linear the resonance. is a highly non-linear phenomenon, but very important as, as we know. So uh, the uh, immediate outlook is not uh, favorable Uh, there is not much reason for optimism. These guys not only fight because they uh, do not want their reputation to suffer uh, bad setback, but they also want to keep power. They have uh, literally infinite power. The power to print money is an infinite power. This is certainly a power which uh, is not in consonance with the U.S. Constitution, which uh, speaks about limited government power, limited power for any anybody. Unlimited power is, of course, unlimited corruption and uh, And uh, that's what we have, Uh, unlimited power breeds, as it were, unlimited corruption. So there is no hope that uh, these guys, Bernanke included, (coughs) would change his mind say, oh, I'm sorry, we made a mistake. By the way, he did this once, perhaps you recall that, when Milton Friedman, Uh, 90th birthday birthday was celebrated, there was a party, and uh, a lot of people were invited in uh, government, central bank, and also academia. Uh, Now, Bernanke at that time was not yet uh, in the Fed, and he was not even, I think, an advisor to the president, was not a member, I, I think, but he was the chairman of the Department of Economics at Princeton University, which is one of the more prestigious uh, uh, universities in the United States. I might even say the most important when it comes to uh, uh, economics. Certainly Mm -hmm. mathematics Princeton is just no question that stops. Uh, but uh, I, I guess it's the same. Uh, this magnificent Woodrow Wilson uh, building, beautiful uh, high-rise building, white marble outside. And so, anyhow, Bernanke was the head of the department. By the way, Paul Krugman was a member of that department at the same time. Now, anyhow, to make the long story short. Bernanke was at this birthday party. Uh, Milton Friedman is 90 years old, and there was congratulations and all that. And uh, Bernanke made a speech, and in this speech, uh, he said something to uh, this effect: "That you have." criticized us, Uh, oh, I'm sorry, perhaps I was, he was already. He was in the Fed. He was already in the Fed. He was in the Fed. Yeah, because he talked about us. You, saying to Milton Friedman, you have criticized us, meaning the Fed, that uh, we have, in the 1930s, made the money supply collapse by not pumping more money. (laughs) into the system as your theory would have suggested. And we humbly accept belatedly your criticism and we make a promise that we'll never ever do it again. And this was a solemn promise and <laughs> he, he lived up to it and we are suffering from it ever since. So, uh, I would say uh, Bernanke is fully capable of apologizing or admitting his past mistakes. But don't bet the family firm on this that he will apologize for this type of mistake of printing too much money. He is ready to apologize any number of times that he has printed too much. Little, but never too much. <laughs> and that's what's happening, because now they are right, now they are thinking about inventing a new name, because the uh, name, quantitative easing number one, quantitative easing number two, has got worn, it's threadbare, just so they have to find a new name and that bingo! Let the printing presses work over time and full steam ahead. I, I, but it's not doing what it's supposed to do. I mean, if anybody predicted the kind of quantity of money they have printed during the past five years, I mean, you would have been called insane. It's just not possible to print that much money. And if you compare it with the amount of money printed in Germany in 1923, in Hungary in 1947, and in Zimbabwe, whenever, these numbers are beating all records. But it's not happening. Why? Well, I think we have the answer, but uh, unfortunately, our time is up, so I'm not going to continue, but you can finish the story on your own. This is absolutely self-defeating, and it's contrary to purpose, this policy. And it is because they completely ignore the phenomenon of bond speculation. They, as if bond speculators did exist. not exist, but they do. So they they override whatever policy is made of the Fed. It's overridden by the speculators. And because they march in lockstep, all this keeps adding up until the, the inflationary edifice collapses. So, with this, I finish my uh, lecture and uh, we'll, we'll uh, take a 15 minute break and um, have coffee in the interim. So, thanks very much, Professor. Thank you.